0: audio but for now temperatures will remain unseasonably cold and damp for October yesterday the mercury in New York City only made it up to 37 degrees good
1: cup of coffee it's taste
0: so drink up <laughs>
2: 10 a.m. radio for only fourteen ninety-five. dollars wow. yeah. well,
0: Was this week's number one Michael Jackson's Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. Hey, disco sucks, man. Instead, let's check out this new single from the Wide-Eyed Boys off their latest album. <laughs> ¶¶
1: Riding the Pink Cloud. It's October 12, 1979, a cold snowy night in Sleepy Hollow, New York. As pretty and quiet a village as this is, there are stories from the past that speak to a darker history. Of course, you know the legend of Sleepy Hollow and the sinister specter of the Headless Horseman, perhaps Sleepy Hollow's most famous resident, at least before the town was discovered by rock stars wanting a quiet retreat. The most famous? The Wide-Eyed Boys lead guitarist, Eddie Albright, and his super model wife, Lissy Ellery, Rock's golden couple. The whole world thought they knew about the sex and the drugs, but what about the rumors of black magic, even Satanism? The truth was that at the end of that long driveway, behind the heavy Tudor door of their huge mansion, everything was going to shit. Could anything have prevented that final tragedy? Who knows? Some would say it was destined to end the way it did that night, in a brutal, bloody mess.
0: Excuse me, excuse me. You all need to get away from the door. Okay, sir, step back, please. We need to keep the entrance clear for the ambulance. Hello? Police? Miguel, in here. Hey, Shap, how you doing? You got an ETA on that ambulance? Uh, Fuck the ambulance. We need a shovel and a bucket. Take a look in the corner. Step out of the way, let me... Oh, oh, okay, I'm gonna be okay, sick. Okay, oh. right, okay. Outside if you're gonna view <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. Oh fuck me. What is that? Pasta? Up uh, yours, asshole. <laughs> what the hell happened in there? I don't know. Looks like somebody got their head blown off. Did you find a gun? Yeah, it's on the floor next to the body. I just saw someone in that window. Oh, god damn it! I told everybody to stay outside. That's a little kid. Shit! Shit! Hey, get out of the way! Out of the way! Move! Hey, buddy. Hey, how you doing there, huh? I'm Officer McGill. You must be uh, Charlie Albright. Mm-hmm. Is the party over? It sure is. Hey, uh, are your parents around?
3: My mom is.
0: Okay. That's good. I'll tell you what, why don't we head outside and go find your mom, huh? Hey, you ever seen the inside of a police car? Huh? No. It's very cool. I can show you how the siren works.
1: Can I turn the lights on?
0: (laughs) Yeah, sure. Sure. No slippers, huh? How about I carry you to the car so your feet don't freeze? How does that sound? Oop! Can you believe we got snow already? It's not even Halloween yet. You know, when I was a kid, I love snow because we got to go sledding. There you go. How's that? Let's get that blanket around you, are huh? You warm enough? Do you still go sledding? <laughs> no, no, not in a while. Hey, you stay here.
1: Just a minute, Charlie, okay? I'm gonna go find your mom, all right? What? Let's jump back a little while to September 1979. Before we carry on, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Lindy Jones. Yes, that's right, the music journalist, Lindy Jones. If you're under the age of 40, you've almost certainly read one of my pieces in Rolling Stone or Circus. You may have read one of my books, You almost certainly read my exclusive interview with the surviving members of Leonard Skinner after that terrible plane crash back in 77. If you didn't, look it up now, The Times. I'm now writing a book about the wide-eyed boys and the craziness and chaos that followed them for years. So, let's jump back a little from that night when the police arrived to early September 1979, when Lissy Ellery just got back from detox and is waiting for her husband to arrive home. Somewhat ironically, given that she is clean, she is going through the house hoping to find some cannabis hidden somewhere, no more heroin, she was certain of that, but a little weed a little vodka, that was fine. How was the wife of a rock star supposed to get by without a little help from her friends?
4: Oh, hello, darlings. What are you doing? The I Ching? Paola's doing it but she won't tell me what her
0: question is.
4: Well, Charlie, we've been through this. She can't tell you what she's asking the I Ching. If she tells you, she might not get an accurate reading. Uh, Thank you, Lizzie. Uh, That's what I've been trying to tell him. Are you okay with Charlie doing it too? Oh, actually, I insist. Let's find out what your future holds.
0: I'm going to ask if there's going to be another Star Wars. Shh. Don't tell us your question,
4: remember? (laughs) It's an excellent question, though. Can you also ask how Princess Leia keeps her skin so smooth? I'll be in the kitchen if anyone needs me.
2: Fuck! Oh, Lizzie, you're back! Wow, you look fantastic.
4: How you feeling? Well, Kathy, I'd be feeling a lot better if I could find some fucking weed. Where is everything? Why is nothing where it should be? Uh, I had to oversee a whole
2: house deep clean while you were in rehab. Boss's orders. God damn it, Eddie. Are you even allowed to smoke weed after
4: rehab? It's cannabis, for God's sakes. Not heroin. And I'm not like him. Not everything's a gateway for me. Eddie won't believe me, but it's true. So, how do I get some (laughs) ganja?
2: Lissy! Kathy!
4: I know Eddie's your boss, but I'm your friend. And if you don't help your friend get some weed, she's gonna tell your boss about all the petty cash you've borrowed. (laughs)
2: Excuse me?
4: What about that neighbor of yours? The boy who's always getting in trouble.
2: Craig? If the papers got one of you buying drugs from a 17-year-old on the day you got out of rehab.
4: Ah, screw the papers. They're not here. They have no idea what goes on behind closed doors. Or they found out about your seances and
2: your tarot cards and all that witchy stuff you like to do. And they had a field day
4: with it. I wasn't ashamed of that, and I'm not ashamed of this. Let it be known, Lissy Ellery is a witch who needs to get her smoke on. Mm. Eddie's management insisted on only good news during this tour. The only person who knows right now is you, and I trust you with my life. Eddie will find out. I know the world thinks of him as a guitar god, but that doesn't make him like god-god. Bring Craig to the house, and I'll take care of the rest. Does he like the wide-eyed boys? Uh, I think he's more
2: of a sex pistols kid. Punky, uh, punk, whatever it's called. Spiky hair, safety pin earrings. Ugh, it's never going to be the same, is it? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm leaving. Do you want the cartons opened? It's a
4: bit gloomy in here. I like how gloomy it is in here. Gloom is good. This is a house that understands me. Appreciates me. Unlike you. Lissy, I'm not hooking you up with a
2: 17-year-old drug dealer. I'm really not.
4: What's that necklace you're wearing?
2: Uh It's just something I picked up.
4: Let me see. It's just some cheap nothing. You wouldn't like it. It looks a lot like this quartz necklace Eddie got me that went missing. Just like my Biba black suede boots, my poochie scarf. (laughs)
2: If you have something to say to me.
4: All I'm saying, Kathy, is that I like you being around. I like you working for us. But Eddie's trust is so hard to win and impossible to win back. So. I'll expect that kid to come round later tonight, okay? Ooh, cigarettes. Uh,
2: I bought the Swedish cookies you like. Call if you already need anything.
4: Shit. He's back today, isn't he? Soon. Jimmy
2: picked up the Bentley this morning, and he's gone to get him. Remember, he can't stay long. He
4: has a show tonight. Ugh, Jimmy. Just bring hunky-punk over after they've left, will you? You know I love you, Kathy, right? Uh, yes,
2: actually, I do.
1: The necklace isn't mentioned again, but Kathy gets the point. As for Lissy, she goes upstairs to get ready for Eddie. According to friends of hers, for as confident as she appears, she worries she can feel Eddie slipping away. His attentions on other women, his need for peace, so different from her own need for noise and commotion, for what some might call bedlam. She goes upstairs to get ready and to check there aren't a few pills lurking in the back of a drawer somewhere, a small baggie of weed and an evening purse she'd forgotten about. But there's nothing. So with a big sigh, she picks up the book she'd been reading and sinks into the old velvet armchair in the corner of the bedroom. Lissy had found the book at rehab in the library drawn to the old dog-eared book. As soon as she pulled it off the shelf, she had smiled. It was The Confessions of Alistair Crowley, the famous English occultist autobiography. She'd read some of his work, but not this one.
4: A man who makes such claims cannot be judged by conventional codes and canons, for ordinary morality is only for ordinary people.
5: Jimmy, my old mucker. How you been,
3: mate? Alright, Ed.
5: Do you see my old lady? Nah, she went back when I picked up the car. She says this time rehab worked. She says that every time. I never know what to expect. I know, she can be a nightmare. Oh blimey, the drama, so much bleeding drama. But she's the mother of my child, and she's my old lady. We've been together a long time, and that counts for something. Oh, house looks good. (laughs) This fucking house. I still don't understand what Lissy sees in it. I don't know why we ever bought the bloody
3: place. Worked out though. She needed a place to... place to be. You mean after she got banned from the tour? I wasn't going to say it.
5: Didn't have to. I play that scene in my head every day. Finding Charlie in the hotel, screaming his little lungs raw, and her
3: nodded off in the tub. Hey, i dropped drop that bit out of your daily routine, all right? That's in the past. Just make sure you're back in this car in an hour. Hour and a half tops. I've got to get you back on that plane in time for the gig tonight. Last time she got home from detox, I was back in this car in ten minutes. Yeah, but you're on thin ice with the rest of the boys, thanks to her. And I just want to make sure that you You've never it. liked her, have you? I wouldn't say that. I just don't get the two of you sometimes. So you like peace and quiet. You like your books and your music. And with her, it's always a, a 24-hour party. I know. I know, but I get these
5: glimpses, when she's clean, of who she used to be, who she could be again. Jesus, Jimmy, do you remember how amazing she was? She was the most beautiful, brilliant, fearless woman I ever met.
3: Hmm. You see, that's why I've worked with you all these years. You see, the best in people... Even if it does get you taken advantage of. What is this, a fourth time in detox? Fifth? Who the fuck knows. But she saw the bloke that
5: cleaned Bill Burrows up last time. Sleep treatment. Said that she'd be back to her vibrant, beautiful self. Yeah, with or without the anger. (sighs) Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? She never used to be angry. I remember when she made you drive us all to Stonehenge to watch the eclipse. Oh, bloody hell, that was magical. The moon telling us stories as the stars shot over our heads. That sounds like the LSD talking. Yeah, probably. Ah, oh, those were the good days, though, weren't they? Chaney walk filled with people, Lissy cooking for everyone, all those adventures. Cool, oh, we had it all. You want me to come in with you? Nah. I'll be out in an hour.
1: Let's imagine Eddie felt a shiver of horror as he ground out his cigarette and let himself in the front door. He never liked this house. The other houses were all chosen by Eddie. There was Cheney Walk in London, where their neighbours were Paul Getty, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. There was the villa on the island of Mystique, with huge open porches and fans, palm trees that blew lazily in the wind. Those houses were elegant and breezy, filled with light. This house, Villa Hellebore, was the house Lissy called hers. The darkness in the house comforted her, she said. It was the only place that made her feel safe. Eddie needed a little liquid courage. The last time he'd seen Lissy, she'd been a mess. Dark shadows under her eyes. She'd nodded off in the middle of a business dinner, her face ending up in her plate. Hugh Ryder Pearson, their manager, came over the next day and told Eddie to sort Lissy out. There was heroin, he said, and then there was heroin. Eddie and Lissy used to use together, but he had cleaned himself up, and unless Lissy did the same, Hugh told Eddie, she'd bring the band down. She'd ruin it forever. He recommended letting Lissy choose a house that she loved and park her in it with Charlie, leaving Eddie to do what he did best, make music without any interference. (laughs) Oh Hello
4: Eddie. Well, how do I look?
5: You look well.
4: That's all you have to say? I look well. Darling, I bought a Holston fucking jumpsuit for God's sakes.
5: Yeah. Uh yeah, sorry. You look beautiful. Healthy. <laughs> Jumpsuit's fantastic.
4: Mm. That's more like it. How about a kiss for your old lady? It worked this time, Eddie. I know it. It feels different. Yeah? Can't you tell? Come on, Eddie. When was the last time you saw me looking so healthy?
5: Yeah, okay. You do look different. Radiant.
4: Radiant? Hmm. Can you guess what I'm wearing underneath? Nothing. Better. I put on your favorite underwear. Remember this? Yes. Remember when we bought it in the south of France? Remember how we left the curtain half open in the changing room? Remember how I knelt down and unzipped you?
5: Yeah. Mm. Oh, fuck. Oh, I've missed you.
1: I'm finished reading. Can I
4: watch TV now? Charlie, it's a beautiful afternoon. Let's go to the park. We need sunshine and fresh air. But it's time for Match Game 79. Can't we go to the park after? We need to have our exercise. If you are a good boy, you can watch television after dinner. Go on and get your jacket. (laughs) Is my dad here? If he is, we will see him later. Now, off we go. You can tell me about uh, James and the giant peach on the way to the park.
5: Eddie
0: Eddie
3: Fuck What time is it? It's almost seven. Remember what I said five hours ago about coming out in an hour?
5: Fuck. Fuck. I don't know how this happened.
3: Fuck! I've been banging on the door for four fucking hours. I tried every door, every window. This house like a fucking fortress, mate.
5: Jimmy, I'm sorry.
3: Just get in the car. We got to leave now. Let me just say goodbye. Ed, get in the car. All
5: right, all right, all right. No need to get your knickers in a twist. I don't suppose there's any chance I'm going to make the show, is there? You'll make the second half, maybe.
3: But hey, at the end of the day, what rock band has ever really needed their lead guitarist, right? I'm sure your bandmates won't mind. Same for the 20,000 people who spent 15 bucks each on tickets.
5: I can't believe this. I can't believe I let it happen again.
3: You know the story about the scorpion and the frog, right? No. There's this scorpion in the jungle. And he comes across a great big river that he needs to get across. Now, the scorpion can't swim, but he spots a kindly frog and asks if he'll carry him across the river on his back. The frog says, hang about, why would I let you ride on my back? You're a scorpion, you'll sting me. And the scorpion thinks about this and says, why would I sting you in the middle of the river, kindly frog? I'd condemn us both to death. This makes sense to the frog, and he is a kindly frog, so he agrees to take the scorpion across the river. Now, halfway across, the Kindly Frog suddenly feels a searing pain stab him in the back. He looks around and he sees that the scorpion has stung him. And as his limbs are going numb and they both begin to drown, the Kindly Frog asks the scorpion, Scorpion, why do you sting me? You've you've condemned us both to death. And the scorpion says, I couldn't help it. It's in my nature.
5: She fucking terrifies me, Jimmy.
3: But I don't know how to get out. Where there's a will, there's a way, Ed.
1: This is Jane Green. For the latest episodes of Rainbow Girl, follow the podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash rainbowgirl or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have questions for us about Rainbow Girl or have any comments on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at rainbowgirl at emeraldaudio.net. Again, that's rainbowgirl at emeraldaudio.net. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Emerald Audio Network. Rainbow Girl is a production of Emerald Audio in association with Gemini 13. Based on a story by Jane Green Written by Jane Green and Tommy Lombardi Produced and directed by Garrett Scott For Real Jetpacks Productions Theme music by Tyler Cash Featuring the voices of Quincy Dunbaker, baker Dan Bittner Tim Dadabo Jane Green Jake Hart Mitchell Hogue Ryan Cooperman Tam Mutu Sarah Natachenny, Sandra Okuboyejo Jeremy Carlisle Parker, Deborah Rain, Max Ruhl, Emily Schaefer, and Harry Smith. Sound design mixing and mastering by Paul Goodrich. Sound editing by Justin Kilpatrick. Executive producers Jane Green, Spencer Brown, and Mark Francis. Special thanks to Charles Steinhauer, Scott Waxman, Jacob Bronstein, David Bibby, and Travis Bell.